and welcome everyone back to your church of heavy metal that is thunderdome metal reviews i am the reverend ben dangerously drinking a little bit of russell's reserve tonight and spilling it all over my phone with me as always are the dr david pizzo and tracy the manipulator of avian death newport and our featured artist gabe cooper gentlemen how is everyone doing tonight as we stare into the eyes of the metaphorical goat that is slipknots iowa such a huge goat i'm drinking bowman brothers pioneer spirit virginia bourbon that was secretly made in kentucky and i'm doing great and i'm ready to talk about some really sad fucking people recording an album in dire conditions and i am drinking diet green tea mixed berry that's because you're the healthy one tracy which says i don't don't know so much about healthy i just i don't drink the alcohol that you two consume or even gabe consumes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I'm drinking rye this evening, and uh, I've never been to Iowa, and I'm not sure I want to go. <laughs> has anyone ever really been to Iowa? I mean, I've driven through. Has, has anybody ever been to Iowa that wanted to go to Iowa that I wasn't a politician? I, like, there I are think, eight I, people I, there who would be upset with that statement, Tracy. I think it's just more of this. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the thing. Just numbing sameness. Just whether it's the math or the piss-soaked basements that bands like this have to practice in or the sadness. I feel like it's just more of this. Really Which, selling it, David. Really selling it. Uh, what, Western, what, America? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't mean... I'm not talking about Murray. I'm talking about, like... He's on the uh, Iowa board of... Uh, uh, oh, shit. What do they call it? Tourism or whatever. Yes, board of... Tourism. That word that escaped my mind. Ben's losing it. It's pandemic I brain. What word did you forget stuff. earlier? Scholarship. Ben's scholarships, like, yeah. We're giving out money, yo. I'm like, that's... <laughs> Vacations and scholarships. What are those things? I don't know. Anyway. Shit. Well, tell us what this album <laughs> even is, Benjamin. Well, I think you guys are going to tell me some about what this album actually is. <laughs> oh, here I think are the we details are too. I have. Um, it is Iowa, released on 8-28 of 2001. Ironically, we are recording this on 8-28 of 2021. Yes, so we are. 20-year reunion, happy reunion, or birthday, whatever, Slipknot. This is the second studio album. I'm sorry, Tracy, what was that? I said anniversary? I mean... Yeah, the anniversary is better. This album is the age of most of my students. So it is in some of mine. It can vote, it can fight in wars, it can buy alcohol and porn. It can't be alcohol. You have to be 21. Oh my God! What it can't buy about? cigarettes anymore either. Oh, you did they be 21. 21 as well. You have to be 21 about where you are. I think there are certain states that they could still. Trump and Trump passed it in like 2019. It's to be 21 and older to buy cigarettes. Yeah, I'll be damned. Not all heroes wear capes, Tracy. Uh, and it means that I was going to have to flee to fucking Canada to get itself better rye, as well as cigarettes and alcohol. This was released on Roadrunner and recorded in Sound City Studios and Sound Image, both in Van Nuys, California, produced by Slipknot and Ross Robinson. So I'm sure that there was some mental and emotional abuse going on in the recording studio. Count on it. (laughs) The runtime is 66 minutes and 19 seconds. Let me take a deep breath before I give you this lineup. Corey Taylor, number eight on vocals. Mick Thompson. Thomas, son, on number seven on guitar. Sean Crahan, number six, percussion and backing vocals. Craig Jones, number five, samples. Jim Root, number four, guitarist. Chris Fain, number three, percussion and backing vocals. Paul Gray, number two, bass and backing vocals. Joey Jordanson, number one, drums and additional vocals. And Sid Wilson, number zero, on turntables. And he did the vocals on the track 515. So, yeah. Slipknot, Iowa. 
man, this angry, this album's fucking pissed. It is. And I didn't understand why until I read a lot more for today. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because to me, it didn't seem, it seemed performatively pissed. And maybe they were actually pissed, but it seemed to me about a bunch of, you know, bored ass white dudes acting out their rage fantasies. I had the same reaction to this that Tracy has to Marilyn Manson and a Christ Superstar. Is that when you first heard it years ago? Is that currently? Both. Because, I mean, I didn't, my opinion of it didn't change. I mean, there's some really good songs on it. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like, like, what the fuck are these guys so pissed about? But maybe David's going to tell me. And it'll oh, I'm going to tell you. It was not great, yeah. dude. <laughs> um, I will draw here a little bit on, was it Stereo Gum? So Stereo Gum wrote a really cool, relatively short 20-year, like, birthday piece for this thing. And I just wanted to read a couple of these quotes. So speaking of Marilyn Manson, fuck him, by the way, uh, Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson also played up theatrical ghoulishness. But at the end of the day, Zombie was a Pratt, a Pratt alum and Manson was a former music writer. Members of Slipknot worked night shifts at gas stations and porn stores, grappled with teenage drug addictions and stints of homelessness, practiced at a basement soundproofed with a pet store carpet that reeked of animal urine, and were hungry to channel their isolation, frustration, and rage into exploding out of Iowa like a post-apocalyptic warhead forged in an abandoned metal shop. Okay. So my instant reaction to this article, motherfucker, anybody who is in a do-it-yourself music scene in some bullshit-ass little town, sure. like the one that I was in where I worked overnight at fucking gas stations and porn stores, had the same motherfucking experience. These guys aren't special. I don't think in that regard, and I think what happened to them have another band too. Like they got thrown into the meat grinder of touring way too fast because remember they formed and instantly sure they sold more copies and a wonderful this is like wham whamsterdam but that debut sold more copies than any metal album in history in terms of as like a debut faster that's what it is like the speed at which it that's what i was reading like it is a it is i guess crazy. it depends on how you, you it does metal. and I, that yeah. was still sound scan anyway the point sure, is sure, sure, oh sure. metal metal archive says it's not metal at all but anyway it sold a lot of copies very quickly they were on tour a ton they were fucking exhausted uh cory taylor had a mental problems was cutting himself constantly between recording sessions uh crayon's wife got super ill and almost died and he wanted to go be with her and they told him no so he stayed. Uh, Sid Wilson, his grandfather, he was really close to, died. And they told him he couldn't leave and he wailed so badly. That's the intro. Fucking Ross Robinson recorded him like losing his shit. And that's, which is what they did on, he did on Corn. So I, I will not say this is the most adversity any man has ever known. I think something very similar happened with Static X and Machine. And that flip to that recording, both in terms of how you know brutal shit was and uh how much they hated each other because also at this point when they moved to la from iowa half of them like went full motley crew and just started doing drugs and partying and the other half hated the half that fucking did so and so the band they were super divided they despised one another Corey taylor was having like a nervous breakdown health issues and deaths in their families and ross robinson just drove them forward like fucking pharaoh so then, that, know, that shit is that shit is intense. Like I don't it's, know, that's super intense, and I agree with that. I mean, that's really shitty behavior. And it again, is. It's it's easy. Uh, so seeing the the background that they came from, uh, that's 
standard like I think that's pretty standard overcoming adversity stuff and I you know like I said I think that there is somebody right now who's sleeping on a shit stained mattress 100% yeah you know in somebody's fucking basement because they have moved to a town to become an artist and that shit sucks and I hope they make it out but the other stuff agree that is Ross Robinson level abuse um, and you know it's it's how the industry works it, it is how the industry works, and it's really easy to be dismissive and just go, well, fucking leave. This is the most money any of them had ever seen at this point. It was. To your, to your uh, point, and it stands, they grew up, they blew up really big, and there was a whole lot of fucking money on the table. And I know so motherfuckers much. who have suffered through a lot worse because they couldn't get off their goddamn job at McDonald's because their grandparent died. So, For sure. Anyway. Yeah, I think more than anything that I read about this record was just coping with fame and coping with uh-huh. sort of not just the the money but like the the popularity uh-huh. and the demands of fans um that you can't even anticipate or can't even um have any idea about before you're in that situation confronted with it and i can imagine it just being way too much psychologically for for those guys and i want to point out the way they toured was so self-inflictedly is that an adverb brutal like that jumping off shit and breaking bones and setting shit on fire thing it's their own fault that's the atmosphere they created they set the bar there but that meant they did that every night and so them touring broke them in a way that is i think almost phil and selmo grade that's what i was about to say phil and selmo gg allen any of those yeah Yeah. or trey asathoth yeah i'm Mm -hmm. gonna bleed all over you like he was fucking gushing blood throughout most of this album like what the fuck that's a thing that happens. Yeah, G.G. Yeah. Allen, indeed. So they, and it may have been their fault, they did it themselves, that's the aesthetic they created, but it was a pressure cooker of madness combined with all this, as, as exactly as Gabe says, fan expectations and uh, m- money pressures. I will say to their credit, they did not, almost everyone expected them to turn to more accessible. That was usually the trick. Like you flip and you get a little more airplay and uh, they... You know, I'm not going to say Limp Bizkit, but I'm not not going to say Limp Bizkit. Yeah. Anyway, they absolutely did not do that. Like the flip from this album, from the previous album to Iowa, I, was, I think the heaviest album they ever made. I'm not going to say the best. I don't think it is. I think it's actually the worst, maybe. I, but I think it's the heaviest album they make by a long shot. And I think the only one I think in my mind that comes close to heaviness is their chapter five one, the one they released mm-hmm. after uh gray has died joey jordison's issues came up and he had to leave and it's honestly surprising because you know we you hear vans with four or five people running into issues like something i did and just falling apart and breaking up they're doing it with nine people in the band and somehow maintaining coherency throughout it as well until that this album through really no fault of their own to an extent but even that, I mean, that's just for when I first heard this album as a 12, 13 year old, I'm gonna say boy, this was some of the heaviest shit I had ever heard in my life, and I was you. here for it. And so, the story about this album that I have with it, it's one of the albums that got off the BNG Music Club, and it got delivered to my mom's. She picked it up and she saw the explicit lyrics label on it she's like huh so she opens it up and she's like starts thumbing through it reading the lyrics and she looks at me i want to switch your throat and fuck the wound really and i'm like 
oh, I mean, I like it. And she's like, you no, you can't have this. You're not getting it. And so, yeah, she took it and gave it to some guy she worked with who was a metalhead. And I had to find another way of acquiring, of getting this album outside of my mom. Well, if he was a true metalhead, he would have made you a cup. <laughs> but there was no contact between me and him. There's always like mom was the middle person. So sure. Okay, fair enough. I got this album when it came out. I was older than Tracy. So, um, what was I, 24? You didn't have to get mama's permission to do it? I did not. I was in grad school. I did not need mama's permission. Uh, And I really liked the first album. I bought it when I was living in Europe, and I came back here, and I was in grad school. I bought this. I'm like, okay, this is pretty heavy. And I agree. It is, as one critic put it, the heaviest album an arena rock band ever recorded. Like, (laughs) Right? Would you agree with that, Ben? Like, in terms of arena rock, which... This is pretty heavy. I guess they had become that. So, yeah, I would, uh, you know, um, through touring on OzFest, which was arena shows. Um, it was arena shows, and, yeah. yeah. So if, I, I do think that this is unmitigatedly heavy. I, I was surprised by how much it reminded me in ways that the first album didn't necessarily do with Mushroom Head. Because I think the sound to other, the early Mushroom Head is much closer on this album, mm-hmm. despite it being heavier than most of Mushroom Head's albums. Um, than the their first release was. I could I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see it. And I was going to say, if they weren't a Rena Rock by this album, after the next one, Subliminal Versus, and they released it, was it Live 9.0? After they released that album, their live album, they're definitely in that Arena Rock stratosphere where they're out oh, well. there with System of a Down as the number top band in metal for that running time, at least financially. No, I would definitely agree with that, that I think that you could make the argument that they already were, but this did push them up another level. It did, though it briefly fucked them. Ben, this is one of the clearest cases of my theorem that 9-11 briefly made a huge dent in metal, because this album came out, what, two weeks before, and they were supposed to do like an event and announce it on September 11th, and after September 11th, a bunch of distributors dropped it. So apparently, you remember you were asking, do we have data? The answer is yes, even if only anecdotal. So this is a case where Screaming Patriot Records read the lyric sheet that Tracy read or whatever. Well, by that, I mean Walmart. And was like, nope, not doing this. So they, it pushed them, I think among metalheads it did, and it set the foundation for the stuff Tracy's describing. But briefly, they took a massive hit, as a lot of metal did. That That wasn't butt metal which we'll do an episode on later. So an all five-figure death punch blast. Anyway, um, yeah, I think they got hit pretty hard. Like Slayer did. Slayer took a huge dig on that too because there was a lot of promotion on God Hates Us All, the most appropriately titled album ever. I mean, in some ways, those albums were the most appropriate albums for those, that era. But Well, I mean, even Disturbed got pushback in, around September 11th because of the video Prayer because it shows the rapture and they're like oh these people died and, oh my god i can't believe you did this and you saw it with drowning pool and bodies and just the, i mean well uh, it sounds cliche to say that the world changed but it did i mean it did at least the american world changed and as americans uh but gabe you've been sitting there patiently so <laughs> no worries um yeah so this is my very very first encounter with slipknot my very very first encounter with this album and going into it i was really wondering how it was going to all work just because um you know they had this reputation from when i saw 
you know, folks wearing their uh, merch around my high school of uh, being kind of a heavy band in some way, some kind of heavy, but also with this, uh, you know, a scariness to it or like a disturbed kind of uh, vibe to it. So I was curious how that was going to work out going in. And I was surprised at, at um, actually how heavy it was uh, and also with the amount of groove that it had. Um, because groovy and scary is not something that you really necessarily associate uh, with one another, but, um, and, and we could argue about how well that works, that combination works. Um, but uh, the, the, the stuff on this album that hits heavy really does hit heavy and it works, um, for me anyway. Um, I think most of the stuff works. I will agree with that. I don't think that there's anything in it that was scary, but uh, again, I, you know, I'm a year older than David. So where I was in 2001 when this came out and the stuff that I had heard and seen was different. Um, it is certainly for an arena rock band, if we're going to go with that, even as an arena heavy metal band, it is... Uh, I don't know. There, there's just something about it that that did not that disconnected with me and made me think that they were all a bunch of tryhards. And maybe it was because of the fact that there were nine dudes in the band, and maybe it was because of the fact that they wore masks and all the the theatrical stuff that they were trying to do, and then also try and be like they're going to beat people up and all this other stuff. It's like whatever, theater kid. Um, so. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of things on here that work. And to your point about the the groove i i give a lot of the credit to the groove on this to the fact that there are so many people in the band whose main job is percussion in some way yeah. shape or form whether the the drummer or the two other percussionists and the bass player i mean the the low end and the rhythm in the in this band's well i mean well this is their second album and the first album had it too so so far throughout their entire discography that low end is fucking awesome Yes. It is. It's got this nice chunkiness to it that I think that really adds to their sound. And I want to kind of dip back into where you said, the, you know, the scariness. As a uh, 12 and 13 year old listening to this Thank album, um, seeing the music video for Left Behind is uh, was a fucking horrifying video to watch. It's a boy working in the pig butcher shop. In fact, you see him get off the school bus and go and work in the butcher shop. Yeah, that, it had its moments. Well, yeah, every millennial I've read, Ben, that listened to this, compared to Corner Limp Biscuit or whatever else was happening, this was devastatingly terrifying. To anyone who had, didn't have, like you and I had already several inoculations of Slayer and Morbid yeah. Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you were coming at this from Mallcore or New Metal, this was... And, and that I completely agree with, because in a lot of ways it takes the... It still has some of that, and a lot of it probably has to do with Ross Robinson's production, mm -hmm. which we kind of already touched on, but channeling that inner angst and pathos yes. uh, from Korn, but in a, in a much more, more stereotypical metal way than it, it's, you know, if you get what I'm trying to say there. The stereo gum piece put it as it was the precision and the sort of technicality of 80s metal that was in turn killed by grunge it was the technicality of that but with the self-loathing of grunge that's yeah. how he described yeah. it was precisely i know i think that's very fair right so it's it's always trying to have a cake and eat it too but it's that author also pointed out that in some ways a bunch of pissed off white people from iowa doesn't slap the same now 
in terms of the politics of our current era and, you know, issues of sense of entitlement. Well, and, I mean, it, it's some of that same shit that we talked about when we talked about with corn with, you know, you know, um, Columbine and everything. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm definitely not saying that metal had anything to do with that, but I think there's a certain sense of alienation that is touched on there that um, is adjacent to that. And, you know, uh, whether the, the militias in Iowa or Idaho or any, all those fuckers who want to make the Pacific Northwest a white homeland, you know, whether they're wearing Clipknot t-shirts or not, I would say that some of them touched into some of the alienation from these For sure. albums at the time. I think you make a good point. As someone also who was in high school when Columbine happened, that had a real impact and uh-huh. the sense that, um, you know, they didn't want to cultivate any spaces for people to feel like outsiders, which is like an interesting thing because it really doesn't really doesn't work too well. But anyway, um, you know, things like they they banned trench coats at, at our school, um, which is just also ludicrous. I mean, anybody can wear a trench coat for any number of reasons, but they just, you know, they were they banned um, them in mine as well. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think you're on to something there, Ben, also that, that uh, you know, this this spoke to a lot of people um, for that reason. It sort of had that um, that energy of outsiderness and um, uh, that, that sort of self-loathing. And I think that it also, because there are so fucking many of them in the band, that it also touches into that thing that I think bands that are not metal, but like ICP into a... I know I mentioned him already with the bleeding and everything, but Gigi Allen, that sense of an outcast family. Uh, so you, yeah, the maggots. Finding your tribe and mm-hmm. all this other yes. stuff. Where we you are not your kind. Out. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I have sounded like I don't like Slipknot, I think, on this so far. And I actually do like Slipknot. I, again, I think there's some really good stuff on here. It, it, this was always just my this is one of those albums that came out on the cusp of a generational change where I was caught was like this, this doesn't resonate with me the way it does with the people younger than me and corn kind of did the same thing, but I was still young enough that I was just on the cusp of that in corn. But here, I think I was finally over the edge. Uh, Interestingly for me, this is one of my least favorite Slipknot albums. And I was on the ride from the moment one, but I actually prefer volume three and Tracy doesn't agree with me here, but all hope is gone. I was listening to all hope is gone. Hazel thought that was awesome. I think for me, this is about the middling of their, I think it's just right in the middle of what they release and what I think quality wise. Um, I do have a question for Gabe. Did you mean to make that we are not your kind? Yes. Okay. I was like, um, but as I mean, I think it works, right? I think yeah. that, um, and not because I've like listened to all of their records, not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, this is one of the few bands where I think the slightly more radio friendly albums I like more. I I'll actually, say, I like three and four more than this one. Well, I was going to say, I think the response to September 11th happening and like the pushback and everything that happened to them after that i think directly leads to what happens with three and how their writing style changes in that especially lyrically 
I think also it's clear they don't hate each other nearly as much. There, there are things that come from around here like they do on Machine. And I felt those things even before having read the things I've read now. This album was always very unsettling to me. Not because it was scary. I listened to a lot of scary shit. But it's just, they don't, it's a, something's wrong here. <laughs> like, and, and having gone back and read, I'm like, oh, is that what was happening? They wanted to kill each other. I feel like that, you hear that on albums. And Ross Har- Robinson harnesses that dark energy. I know that's actually his power move. And yeah. he does that here. And it's effective in terms of aggression and alienation, as you say, Ben. And But I actually think the discipline and just cleaning, just mopping up just the tiniest bit that happens in the next two albums makes them better. It's just my opinion. I would say that it's a healthier way of dealing with the, because it's not like the issues go away. They don't. But anyway, I guess uh, with no objections, we'll move on to talking about some songs. How about that? So I'll lead off on this one. I think this album is fan-fucking-tastic up to Left Behind. Mm. I think after Left Behind, the music on this album it really starts to fall off to the point of I skip the final track on this album. I just can't stand it. You can't stand the title track, Tracy? Yeah, I can't. It's, it's a hot fucking mess. Isn't that it's, how you felt about their first album too? Like it just mm-hmm. fell off very sharply at the end? Yeah, and I think that's a Ross Robinson special of just putting bullshit nonsense at the end of an album. So that, um, so I really enjoy those first eight tracks. And side note, the first time I ever heard people equal shit, it was on one of the TV channels like that used to play music all the time, like on satellite or cable. And they actually mislabeled it and they said the name of that track was people eat bullshit instead of people equal shit so but yeah people equal shit uh my plague i fucking love that i it's off the resident evil soundtrack as well and i think it's a great fucking song everything ends the heretic anthem left behind i even enjoy gently enough that slow down creepy like blair witchy kind of vibe found to it but i think them outside of that intro the track, tracks two through eight are fantastic. And I like not all the ones in the back half are bad, but I don't think they're anywhere as good as the others are. I think 515 is an abomination of abuse, knowing what I now know. That's another Ross Robinson. And this one fronts the album. Yeah. That, shit, that shit with Jonathan Davis at least was at the end. So you've already been on the ride. Anyway, um, so that's fucked. Uh, people equal shit this was the first time i'd heard in a while that it wasn't the richard cheese version people equal shit so that's, <laughs> uh which i love i i am very much on team tracy here i think that arc from people equal shit through certainly through heretic anthem i'm not as big a fan of gently but i also like left behind and maybe the shape so i go a little further than tracy but not a whole lot i feel like Skin to get new abortion, Metabolic Iowa. They're they're okay, but they just I think it does drop off and meanders. I think this album it's their longest album. It's too I long. Think, it's too long. I think cutting Iowa would have almost fixed it. Anyway, um, but I am very much in agreeing with Tracy that two through six, but then I would also add eight and nine are, are pretty good. And the songs that are good are good. This album's heavy, it's ferocious, it's in spite of I feel like it got made in spite of the conditions in which it was produced, but um, that's my story. So I didn't like 515 before I knew what it was. Um, Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so yeah, I was just like, this is a terrible opener. And I agree with, uh, I don't think Iowa itself is terrible, but it's too fucking long and it sure. meanders and they could cut half of that or maybe more than half of that. And it would be pretty tight. Um, uh, I think the back half of the album is incredibly weak. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit even further than David in, in trimming down what I think the front half of the album is. Although I will say that I think I Am Hated is, is a pretty good track. Mm -hmm. Behind is okay. Um, but for me, the, the strength of it is like basically two through five. The Heretic Anthem, sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. Uh, that track just really doesn't have a solid resonance in my brain as to what I think about it is very dependent on my mood and where I am in the world when I listen to it but I do think that two people equal shit disaster piece my plague and everything ends are really really good yeah I admit when I got this album at the time I sort of listened to the first half and then kind of skipped it or moved on to something else I didn't listen to the back half that's why I didn't buy the the album when it came out is because I sure. it was that was one of the the ones that you could go in and sample you know, when you could do that in a record store and you could like listen to the tracks. And I was like, there are too many tracks on here that I just don't care for. So I didn't sure. purchase it. Where you at, Gabe? So I'm surprised that uh, no one said that they liked Metabolic because it has one of the best lyrics on the entire album, which is, I'm always ready to die, but you're killing me. <laughs> that is a good lyric. That is a good lyric. Um, I, I actually kind of like Metabolic and New Abortion. I think those are, are pretty... <laughs> Pretty good tracks, and um, I Am Hate is it's just okay, uh, and Left Behind is technically part of the back half, and I liked that, so uh -huh. I wouldn't say that the back half is, is super, super weak, but it's not as good as the first uh, the first bit, and I do, uh, like y'all, like I was into, you know, tracks two and three, um, and I also really dug uh, Heretic Anthem, um, but I think Iowa is just like a snooze fest, it's mostly screaming anyway, even after it picks up. It's not not super um, inventive. But um, yeah, yeah, just wanted to save the back half just a little bit. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's uh, grade this this album. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna give this a B minus. I think it's a solid album, but I, I think that we have been kind of we may not all agree on the grade, but I think we all agree on the flaws that it's too long. The second half, although there are some good tracks there, is oh, is weaker than the first half. And just the opener and the closer are trauma porn, essentially, for mm. basically, I guess, the producer because and the people in the band. Because I don't think that's it was just, widely known that that's what it was. That's so, just special, though. Trauma porn. No, I, I know. I know. He, he I himself know. had a broken spine while he was recording this shit. So he was like torturing himself, too. He yeah. shattered it in a motocross accident. Sorry, you were the, stuck. The more no, I that's... hear about, the more we cover Roz Robinson episodes and the shit he did in the studio, the less and less I like the guy. Uh, the more you find out about the music industry and the people who make it, the less you like it. <laughs> that's true. Do you not want to meet your heroes, Tracy? Yeah. Including... Oh, I know. But yeah, but there are some really good songs on here. And I mean, it's an album that sold incredibly well and kind of rocketed them into another stratosphere. But with that said, I only think it's a, a B minus a solid album. I'll go next. I, I agree. We're all still remind here. Too long. Too much trauma porn. I think the back half hurts it for me. And I'm, I think it's just a good album. We'll give it a B.
I think I'm going to sidle, sidle up right alongside Tracy with a B um, because there are a good many tracks on this album that I think are decent. Um, my main problem is I think that I'm not super, super into groovy here when they're trying to be disturbing um, because just it's dissonant for me or it's like it doesn't, the two don't necessarily work together. Um, I also think that there are some really monotonous moments here where not a lot is going on. It's just repeated, repeated, repeated. And that doesn't go only for the last track. It also goes for some of the stuff in the middle as well. Um, so just a B. I'm going to form the third wheel of that tricycle and also give it a B. I think that's where it is because I think I'm here for the groove, but it isn't always successful in here. I don't think. I think it works a little bit better in some of their other albums. I can tell they all want to kill each other. And it made for an angry album. It's an angry, heavy, scary album, but um, it's, I probably like it more than five, I have to say. And I guess we'll be reviewing that too. Um, but other than five, this is one I by far listen to the least. Some of those other albums I listen to a lot, actually, but this one, uh, I think I could just smell the trauma. I don't know to be. Some people think it's the greatest film album in the history of albums. Like the real fans think this best one. I guess. I, I, I'm not I like a to maggot. disagree with them. <laughs> I disagree hard with them. I do too. I do too. And I love heavy shit, but I still think three and four better. But we'll be getting to those soon enough. Sorry to give it away. What are we doing next, Tracy? Next, we are. Uh... We've gone through the future distance of rot and the horror that is Iowa and back to back. And so I felt it was necessary to bring something a little lighthearted and a little less uh, trauma inducing. And we're going to check out Caligula's horse in contact. I'm looking forward to going to Australia with you. It's Brisbane time. And I'm looking forward to Ben's reaction to it. You might be surprised, Tracy. I might be. <laughs> You're probably not going to be, but you might be. <laughs> Uh, but anyway thank you for listening to thunderdome metal reviews and watching us like share subscribe do all the things thank you again gabe for joining us and thank you everyone for your support in whatever way you give it dun, 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 dun.